The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. I love the fact that we have the opportunity to be a part of your day. I know that for many of us, Right now, it is back-to-school season. Uh, That means that you either have a child in school, that means you yourself are in school, and then for everyone else, it's just August, and it's really hot. But we as a church, we we tend to operate more on a school year calendar than we do on a physical calendar. And because of that, what we're going to do for the next three weeks is we're going to kind of peel off from the Gospel of Luke And we're going to talk about some, not necessarily the vision, but really the goals that we have to execute the vision of Summit Church. So Summit Church has existed now 13 years. Uh, We exist to make disciples for the glory of God. That's our vision. That's what we're trying to do. But several months ago, knowing that this July, August timeframe is coming up, that's when back to school happens. And I, I went to the staff and I said, hey, I want you to make some personal and some ministry goals. But, but I don't want you to just scatter it. I, I want you to do it kind of based in, in these three things. These are three things that I felt like our church needed to grow in to better fulfill our mission to make disciples for the glory of God. And these are not land-breaking ideas. I said, we need to become better at prayer and be more of a church of prayer. We need to become a church of connection. And that, that really comes out of COVID. Not that we haven't valued connection in the past, but as people were isolated for so long, now everyone's going, where is my community? What do I do? So we need to grow in connection, and then we need to grow in generosity. And if we could do those three things, I knew that we could better fulfill our mission. So I went to the staff. I said, come up with, come up with your ideas of, of how we can do this, but keep them in those three areas. And so what we're going to do is for the next three weeks is we're going to look at one of those a week. And today we're starting with prayer. And, and it's not necessarily any more timely than any other time to talk about prayer, but I do believe in the power of prayer. And I believe that if we talk about prayer and we encourage our people towards prayer, then prayer will become a bigger part of our church and who we are in our lives. So let's just dive in then. So this is a talk on prayer, but I I want to make sure that we unpack it in a very, very succinct way. And prayer begins with us entering into the presence of God. And that blows me away, church. It blows me away that I am somehow allowed to talk to the God of the universe. Have you ever stopped and just thought about the impossibility of that? That, that? that you, through the Holy Spirit, could literally communicate with the creator and the sustainer of the universe. That God cares enough about you, that he loves you enough to allow you to have a conversation with him. To enter into his presence and talk with him. And not just talk, he'll listen. He'll listen, and then if we ask, he'll he'll respond. If you really break that down, prayer is crazy. How, How in the world are we allowed that beautiful, beautiful gift? But we are. And Jesus talked about it a ton. Jesus talked about prayer just about more than anything else. It was so central to his life. And in Matthew 7, 7, as he's talking about prayer, he lets us know that 
as we enter into the presence of God, if that's what prayer begins with, there's going to be some differences between people. In verse 7 it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And in that there's three different positions that we find ourselves as we seek out the presence of God. For some, you're just going to ask. He's right there with you. You're walking with him. He's walking with you. You just turn and go, hey, God, this is, this is what's going on. You just turn and ask. But for others, there's a distance. You're going to have to seek. You're going to have to go looking for him. But, but he promises, if you do go looking for him, you'll find him. But there's a distance for some reason between you and God. Not, that's obviously always on us because God wants to be near us. He wants to be in relationship with us. And we know that because that's why he sent his son Jesus to the earth. And then for others that you're going to have to knock, and, and all that means is that there's a, there's a barrier of some kind between you and him. It could be unbelief, it could be hurt, it could be sin, it could be a ton of different things. But for those who do want to get through that door, that barrier, all they have to do is knock, and it says that door will be open to you. And prayer begins with us entering in to the presence of God of all the other spiritual disciplines, fasting, study, all, all of them, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into communion with the Father, something He desires and something that we ourselves need so desperately. All the giants of the faith, what I, what I mean by that are the men and women over the last couple thousand years who have led us by showing what true faith looks like. They all, to the person, agree that prayer is central central to their success in relationship with God. Prayer is the epitome. Martin Luther famously said, I have way too much to do in a day to not begin every morning with three hours of prayer. I'm lucky to spend three minutes in prayer as I'm driving down the road. And Martin Luther goes, oh, no, no, no. That, that time is so sacred. It's so beautiful. It is imperative that I spend that with my heavenly Father. And to not do so would hinder me useless for the rest of my day as I go out and minister and write and change the entire Catholic Church. I can tell of your passion. I can tell of your passion for God by your passion for prayer. And, and I know that seems so overly simplified, but, but does it? Can you tell me that you are passionate about God and then tell me, yeah, but I don't, I don't pray. I don't spend time in his presence. It, you can't. It doesn't line up. Those who I know who pray the most, they're not the most righteous or spiritual, but they are people who desperately and passionately desire to be in the presence of God. I can tell you just for me, the health of my relationship with God, my ministry, its success, and even my human relationships, my family and friends, I can see a quantifiable measure of difference when I am spending time in prayer. My relationship with God is better. My ministry is better. My relationship with others is better when I am spending intentional time with God, when I'm seeking out his presence. But I want us to understand this. 
when we pray, we don't just run to God with our shopping list of needs for that day. Okay, because prayer begins with listening. We've entered in to the presence of God. You've, you, you have turned to enter into his presence. You have bridged that distance to enter into his presence. You've opened that door, or he has to bridge that distance and be in his presence. But prayer begins with listening. Kierkegaard said it this way. A man prayed, and at first he thought that prayer was talking. But he came more and more quiet until in the end he realized that prayer is listening. Prayer is entering into the presence of God humbly, expecting him to move, and then listening. Listening first helps us transform our passions, okay? Because in prayer, real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the things of God, the things he desires, to love the things that he loves, people, to will the things he wills. That becomes our desire. Romans talks about it, a transformed mind to know his good, pleasing, perfect will. That doesn't start from us just running in to his presence and going, I need this, 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 and this, and this today in the name of Jesus. It doesn't start there. It starts with us listening and learning and quieting our souls. And ultimately then we are taught to see the things of this world from his point of view. And when we do that, when we enter his presence and listen first, then it allows these statements of Jesus to be true. Not that any statement Jesus made isn't true, but these are these big statements that you go, I don't know if I've seen that play out in my life. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That is an incredibly huge and amazing statement that many people read that and they go, ah, I've asked for a bunch of stuff and I didn't believe that I should receive it, but it hasn't come to pass. John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, my words, I, I listened, remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Those statements become true when what we're asking is the will of God. And the answer is yes and amen. But it starts with us first coming in and listening. And while prayer begins with listening, at its core, to pray is to ask. When we ask correctly. We ask correctly when we ask with the right heart. And in faith, because prayer is powerful and effective when we ask with the right heart and with faith. James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In Summit, we say it this way, prayer unlocks the power of God. Prayer in the right heart and with faith unlocks the power of God. And where I want to now kind of curve and head towards today is a big churchy word called intercessory prayer. When, when we pray for others, 
when we unlock the power of God, not only in our own life, but in the life of others. I think when we do that, when we show that grace and that level of compassion to someone else to spend time in the presence of the creator of the universe on behalf of them, interceding for them, when we do that, church, we will be much more effective at our mission of making disciples for the glory of God, petitioning the Father, beseeching him for people, and for things. And while it's always, always a good idea to help those that we come into contact with, that's always a good idea. One of the most beneficial things you can do for any person is to pray for them. The problem is, for a lot of people, that I'll pray for you phrase, or I am praying for you text, it's a cop-out. You know there's a need, And the way that you get out of having to do anything for that is you're like, I'll just pray for you. I got you. I'll pray for you. How often do you actually then go do that? How earnestly do you petition for that person and that need? It it hurts that prayer, that the praying hands emoji is something that can just be used to go, all right, yeah, see you later. We, we can't be a people that say we care for and love our community unless we're a people that care for and love our community through intercessory prayer, through praying for the needs of others. We need to be bold enough to actually pray for people and then go a step farther and let them know that we're praying. That, that's where it gets really scary. Hey, I actually prayed for you right now. And you're not lying. Like, I prayed for you. Here's what I prayed. Will you let me know when God does that? Because I believe that my prayer just unlocked his power. Will will you let me know when something amazing happens? I think for too many, our courage fails us to pray for someone. Not because of our lack of faith. I I think for many in the church, we believe that prayer works. But our courage to pray fails us because of a lack of compassion. Genuine empathy between the prayer and the prayee is what makes the difference. Do you care enough to pray? It's a great measuring stick right there. I, I would say that the people in your life that you love are the ones you regularly pray for. The ones that you intercede on behalf of. The ones that you petition God for their behalf. I think for many, we wait too long to pray. Because if you wait till you feel good or you feel like it's time to pray or you should pray, um, before you start to pray for others, if you do that, you're probably never going to start doing it. There's always going to be an excuse or a reason why. And that's why prayer, something so intimate between you and God, is actually still called a spiritual discipline. It's something that we have to make ourselves do. The benefit is there, obviously, but we have to make ourselves do it, and then as we do it, as we 
learn to pray more so the heart of God, as we learn to petition more on behalf of others and not just ourselves, as we learn to see and experience God's power unlocked in our lives and the lives of others, then that discipline becomes a joy. But it's the same for Bible study, it's the same for fasting, it's the same for all the spiritual disciplines. At some point, you just got to start doing them. If you have a God-given concern and passion for others, your faith will grow and it will be strengthened when you pray. In fact, if we genuinely love people, if we desire them far more, if we desire them far more than we are afraid or worried or like courage, if we desire people, it will cause us to pray. I want to challenge you today to ask God for opportunities to use prayer. I want to be a church where prayer is not just something that we throw on at the end because we're a church, we're supposed to do it. Have you ever been to a church event where you've been sitting around for two hours and it's like, oh, it's time to go, and then someone goes, oh, man, we never, we, never, we, we, we got, forgot to pray. Oh, all right, hey, John, as we're leaving real quick, just uh, you know, hit us up real quick, and everyone's like packing up for stuff. All right, yeah, thank you for this day. We love you, God. Amen. All right, we'll see you next week. Uh, prayer's not just this add-on. It's not just this thing that we do before we dismiss that's, that's why we actually structure our physical services at our campuses uh, different from a lot of other churches. We, we, we speak the word so that then people have a chance to respond to that word through worship at the end, but we also then invite people to pray. 15, 20 minutes of time to pray, to come forward and pray. We have prayer cards online. You can go to summitonline.tv forward slash prayer and let us pray for you. We believe that prayer works. We believe that prayer unlocks the power of God. And, and we don't just want to come and, and watch online or come and worship and then forget to pray. Because it's one of the greatest things we can do. We have a prayer team that's willing to go to bat for the needs of our people during the week. They don't just stand up front in the worship services. They go to bat for the needs of our church. We have staff, elders, prayer team members, so dozens of people who are willing to pray for you. And if you fill out a prayer card, either online or in person, that prayer request goes to all of those people, unless you specifically write on there that you don't want it to. If it needs to be anonymous, if you need to talk to a pastor directly, because it's a big deal, we'll, we'll do that. But if you just fill out a prayer card at any point, that's going to dozens of people who are lifting you up through the week. That's amazing. Yet, we don't get a lot of prayer cards. What, what in the world, church? You're telling me you don't have anything in your life right now that you would like God to move in, to restore, to renew, to heal. You don't know someone that you could say, I, I, I'll pray for you, and we're going to have this whole church of people praying for you. You don't know someone to do that. Why, why, is, why is prayer our last resort? Why is it the thing that we add on at the end? Why is it the thing we wait till it's really, really dark and abysmal and desperate? I think the reason is because it's a labor of love. Prayer is a discipline, but it's one that when we step into it, we find ourselves in the presence of God inviting him to move in the lives of 
ourself or others. And he does it. It still just blows my mind. Where do we start? Okay, so say, say you don't pray. Say, say you don't know how to pray. Where, where do you start? I read a book by Richard Foster years ago. And he was teaching a young child, which sometimes we need to learn from young children. He was teaching a young child how to pray because that young child's baby sister was sick. And so he said, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to do this with me. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture Jesus coming into your sister's room and placing his hand on her shoulder and knowing what's wrong in her body. And he literally is, is fixing whatever sickness, whatever disease. I, I want you to picture Jesus doing this. I, I want you to picture him healing your baby sister and this, this little six-year-old boy's like, I, all right, I, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing him walk into the room. I'm seeing him place his hands on my sister. And then Foster says he just said amen. It was just a few days later that I got a call from one of my cousins who she was pregnant with her second child, and there was a big problem going on. And, and the baby's life was in huge jeopardy. And Paige and I, we went, we went to our knees immediately to pray for this unborn child. And, but I, I remember doing that. I, I just said, Jesus, I, I want you to go, and I want you to place your hand on the womb of my cousin, and I want you to, through your power, just, just heal that baby. We don't, we don't know for sure what needs to be done, but you do. And I remember seeing it and sensing it and believing that that's exactly what Jesus does. That, that's, that's who he is. That's his power unlocked. And, and we get all worked up because we think we have to pray in these eloquent ways with these big words. And, and we got to be able to do it this way or this. It's, no, it's, it's believing and trusting and asking Jesus to come and to do what only he can do. And sometimes it's as simple as just that. Picturing Jesus moving, healing, restoring the lives of those that you know he needs to. I want to end today with a challenge. And for some, this is going to be super simple. For others, really stretching. For, for some even, borderline impossible. But I want to challenge you to pray for three people that are not you. Pray, I want to challenge you to pray for three people today. And I want you to do it in a very specific way. I want you to first start not by going to God and saying, I need Joe to be better, I need this to happen, uh, and, then, and can you help Sally? I, I don't want you to just fire off. I want you to go and I want you to actually sit in the presence of God for a moment and realize, oh my gosh, I get, I get to do this. I want you to sit in his presence for a moment, and then I want you to listen. I want you to say, God, who do you want me to pray for? Who do you desire to move in the life of? I want you to sit. I want you to listen. I want you to see if, if he speaks anything to your heart, if he speaks anything to your spirit. I, I, want, you to, I want you to listen. And then I want you to take it a step further. And okay, God, I've, I've got three names. I think they're from you. What specifically do you want me to pray for them? Because maybe you don't know how to pray. Maybe you don't know what to pray for. But he does because he made them and he knows them and he loves them. 
whoever they are. And I want you to ask him to tell you what to pray. And then I want you to pray that back to him. Father in heaven, I pray your will be done, that you would do this in these three people's lives. I want you to write down then what you prayed. There's something powerful in that, in writing it down. And then this one's the big one. Then I want you to let those three people know that you prayed for them and what you prayed for them. Because as scared as some of you are, and as many of you have already checked out and said, no, not going to happen. There's not many ways to show love better than that. It's not intrusive. It's not rude. It's compassionate and kind and gracious. It's what Jesus did. He walked up to people who were hurting and he intersected their life. And when you pray, that's what you do. You just do it through our Heavenly Father. I challenge you to do it. And the cool thing is, if you do, if you do, God's power is going to be unleashed in those people's lives. And his glory is going to be seen. And you're going to be the church. The church that I hope we're called to be. So Father, help us to pray. Your word says we do not have because we do not ask. So God, help us to pray. Usher us into your presence. Let us hear your will. Pray your words and your will. And then, Father, let it be done. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this. Amen.